The Baltimore Ravens cornerback position this offseason has been a very big topic of conversation about whether they have enough in that room. We talk about what they could do to maybe bring a couple of former Ravens back and so much more coming up next here on Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire. We're here as always on Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. Thank you so much for being here, making us your first listen every single day. Free and available, all podcasting platforms, including in video form on YouTube. And we are a five-day week Ravens podcast, and you can subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on audio form. It is free anywhere. And here with me today... On this midweek edition of Locked On Ravens, is former Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Super Bowl champion, Kadri Ismael. We're now past the 4th of July milestone training camp. It's a couple of weeks on the horizon. I know we've been waiting and waiting and waiting for football, and we've almost got it. We just got to wait a little longer. Yeah, we do. I'm, I'm so excited just simply because of all the hype that's surrounding the team, and, and it's good hype. It's not false. It's not fake. You know, whether or not, you know, we – are sitting here patiently and, and, and recognizing the brilliance, or if we are sitting here impatient, we still got to recognize the brilliance. Regardless, this has been a fascinating offseason, and, and training camp's a few days away. Guys are going to be starting to kind of hone in on their games, getting the final preparations for their families or their significant others to travel up to Baltimore with them. Um, obviously, being at the Under Armour Performance Center, unlike when – I went to training camp when it was out in Westminster, uh, but this is uh, this is some fun times. I'm 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 super uh, super excited to uh, get it underway. Yeah, you're right. There there is a lot of hype around this team right now in terms of just how good they could potentially be. And look, we know Q, a very talented AFC conference. There are going to be a lot of teams this year competing for playoff spots, for divisional wins, and obviously for the right to go to the Super Bowl out of the conference. And in order to do that, Q, I think the Ravens have to get a lot out of their secondary, especially in the cornerback room. We know who Marlon Humphrey is. We know he's a top guy in this league. Rocky Yassin is a solid, you know, two, three option, as I call him. But as we've talked about plenty, Q, Outside of that, it's a lot of young guys that they're going to be relying on, at least at the time of this recording. But there has been, I guess, some speculation about maybe if Baltimore adds somebody else. I know Marcus Peters has been a name, but a couple of other former Ravens potentially returning and maybe an Anthony Averett or a Kyle Fuller. I mean, let's start with Anthony Averett, Q. He's somebody that had a couple of years for Baltimore. Obviously, the Alabama connection, the Ravens are very well known for that with Ozzie Newsome and that thing. But he's someone who went to Las Vegas last year on a one-year deal, hasn't been signed by anybody Rocky Yassin and Anthony Averett talked a little bit Yassin said about the potential of just what Yassin and Baltimore would be and the fit of Yassin being in the city but Q do you think that if Anthony Averett were to come back it would be a move that you'd feel comfortable putting him out there as their third cornerback and he's so much better than those other young guys where it's a needle moving move I think Anthony Averett is a fine corner uh I think he would be a guy that would come in to compete, not necessarily just be handed the position. When you look at the way the league goes, 
it's a what have you done for me lately proposition. Always. You're always going to have to earn your stripes no matter who you are. You could be Lamar Jackson. You obviously you know, earned enough as far as your contract, but you got to go out there and, and prove that you're worthy of that deal. Now, with that said, some guys got more leverage than other guys. So Anthony Avery is not signed for a reason. I think he's fine. He's good. He's serviceable. I think he can, you know, be a guy that can come into camp, compete, and just hope that he doesn't break down. Then you can kind of see as far as evaluation and depth. But I see him more as like a role player, special teams player, somebody that you wouldn't necessarily hang your hat on. Yeah, and I think that's that's fair. And I think that Averett, look, veteran option, well, compared to the other younger guys on the roster outside of Humphrey and Yassin, but if you want to get a real veteran, you know, one of those guys, Kyle Fuller would be somebody. Now, Fuller only played in well less than one game for the Ravens toward the ACL in the week yeah. one game against the Jets, unfortunately. Had a pretty rough preseason, but I think a lot of people were excited about the potential of just what he could be in this defense. Now, I know there are a lot of questions about, you know, where is the ACL injury now? Is he fully recovered from it? What would that be? Is, is that a move, Q? Maybe you feel like a veteran is needed in that room and Fuller could be the guy familiarity in the Mike McDonald defense, at least from training camp. Or is that, again, just something where it's a special teams depth player and you'd rather just trust the young guys in that situation? Well, you can't make the club in the tub. Um, unfortunately, when you get injured, you know, that means there's an opportunity for somebody else to step up. An ACL injury is not like what it was years ago as far as you know, the recovery process and the rehab and all the things. I think when you look at uh, Fuller's rehab, we really haven't heard too much publicly. Uh, but I will say that from a rehab standpoint, when you see him, it's going to take a minute to get back out on the field. Remember, even, you know, for example, what we saw last year with Marcus Peters it wasn't like he just came in there and he was just like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. Um, it, it took him a while to kind of get back into the groove. Is that something that you want to see from Fuller or is it a, hey, go ahead, continue to rehab, do what you got to do. We know you're out there. We will make sure that, you know, if something goes on, you're on our bat phone and we'll call you. I think it's kind of like that situation. Not necessarily will bring you in training camp and do the rehab for you. I think it's more along the lines of he's on his own. Let's see what it looks like if, in fact, you know, we do need you. And, you know, we look at, you know, our doctors take a look at where you're at. Our training staff takes a look at where you're at and then kind of make a decision from there. Yeah, and it's interesting, Q, because I think when you're talking about adding somebody, I think outside linebacker is a little different because – they literally at this point are essentially only three deep right now with OA, Ajabo, and Bowser. Tavius Robinson, I wouldn't want to put huge pressure on him in year one. But corner-wise, is the argument maybe against signing a veteran right now, maybe up until the last week before the season? Maybe you just want to see what you have in training camp with the young players, and if you sign a veteran, that's taking away training camp or preseason snaps? Or do you feel like if they were to bring somebody in, is right now before training camp the time to do it? If you're just in Houston, you don't need training camp. <laughs> you know, you even I'm 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 even saying like Odell Beckham technically doesn't need training camp. Like the regular season is is imprinted into you, like literally when you're playing at such a high level, right around that fourth year, 
Training camp, you know, kind of fine-tuned you. Young players absolutely need training camp. Absolutely need to kind of get back into the uh, flow, the groove, the the in-shapeness, to see and test yourself before the first regular season game so the lights don't get too big when it comes to being on prime time. I, I just think that this ball club, the fine line of starters and backups – it is so razor thin because those backups are so young. I think it's a situation where you don't want to bring in a guy to disrupt that growth because ultimately, yeah, you got some high ticket guys, but <laughs> this league is about sustaining, you know, the, the mid-level low ticket guy and him thriving training camp is that space where they can thrive. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And I think, it, look, it's a risk, I guess, either way, if they bring in somebody or if they don't. Because, well, let's face it, Q, right now on the free agent market, it's not like you got a Marlon Humphrey out there. You can just sign off the street and bring in, right? These are guys who are out there either for a reason or just looking for the right opportunity. So if you sign one of those guys and it buries a young guy that could perform really well, maybe Trayvon Mullen is this, you know, diamond in the rough and he just has to get snaps to prove it. If you sign a Kyle Fuller and that doesn't work out, it's a risk there. It's also a risk, as we saw last year with the wide receiver position to the corner is a lesser extent of what happened with wide receiver last year because you have Marlon Humphrey. But if the young guys don't pan out and if Humphrey goes down or if Yassine goes down and no young guys step up, then you might need to bring in a veteran like they did with Marcus Peters in 2019 or linebacker like what they did with LJ Fort and Josh Bynes where you just need a spark. So either way, you're taking a risk and either hoping a veteran pans out or a young guy pans out. But we do know, Q, the Ravens potentially are interested in adding to the secondary as they brought in Adrian Amos for a second visit before he signed with the Jets due to Chuck Clark's injury. Unfortunate for Chuck Clark, obviously, what happened there. But maybe they do add somebody before the end of the preseason, and this is just the time for them to figure out, well, can this young guy step up with snaps, or does he need a couple more years to grow? Coming up in the second part of the show, speaking of growth, we'll be talking about second-year players and how they can grow from their rookie season's expectations for them. They're here to stay tuned, planning to get to Unlocked on Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. And me being a big fantasy guy, I'm really excited about this because our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Penny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. And so whether you're prepping for a draft or even scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to be providing you the players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So a draft prep underway for the upcoming season. It's coming up really fast. Let's see who Vinny has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. And we're going first, Christian McCaffrey. And you know, when making the first overall pick in drafts, especially this year, 49ers running back Christian McCaffrey is a guaranteed fit. And we all know what Christian McCaffrey can do when healthy and on the field. It's been, it's been a question mark whether he can stay healthy, but he's guaranteed to see well more than 300 touches again in his first full season in San Francisco. And he's the centerpiece of that 49ers offensive engine that also includes Debo Samuel and some others. McCaffrey checks all the boxes, including his talent and usage, high floor and ceiling, and you can run with CMC as the guaranteed fit at number one for a smooth ride through another year of big numbers. I, I like that name. Run, run CMC is a big pipe their fantasy name or at least it has been for a while so with ebay guaranteed fit and over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle right at your fingertips you can make sure your ride stays healthy and running smoothly air filters brakes batteries all the things you need taillights alternators shocks struts you name it ebay motors has it and they'll make sure it is the right fit for your car because ebay guaranteed fit helps you understand exactly what part you need 
free vehicle the first time. So go forth, switch gears, crank the AC, and say goodbye to sweating if your ride needs a little fixing up because now you know you'll always be set up for success from the get-go. The big guarantee fit everything a vehicle is calling for is just to click away. For the parts and accessories to fit your vehicle, just look for the green check. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We're back. Our second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker still here with the one, the only, Kadri Ismael and Q. First year to second year. I, I want to start with you and your experience. From your rookie year to your second year, did you feel a jump? Did you feel more prepared for the NFL game? I mean, what is it like for some of these players based off your experience from the year one to year two jump? So mine was a lifetime ago, but like pretty much all of the athletic experiences that I have gone through, I remember it. <laughs> and I will tell you that second year, it was like night and day. You know, first and foremost, if you're a draft pick, you know, your, your end of your college career now becomes preparing for a test in underwear. And it's that underwear Olympics that we call the combine, that, you know, certain teams want to see you and, and wine and dine you and all the things. I think that doesn't necessarily prepare you for the rigors of the season. You go through your training camp, you're like, my God, my head is spinning. But one of the things that people on the outside might not think is a big deal, but it, it's a huge deal. It's if you're even if you're a single, you know, uh, guy and, and don't have family. Getting to the facility and knowing your way around a city and and knowing just the name of the assistant to the assistant equipment guy or the ball boy who is there on a regular or. You know, the I, I'm on the offensive side of the ball, the quality control guy on the defensive side of the ball. I know him now. I mean, all of that, like the lunch guy, Manny. Everybody knows Manny in the Ravens, but you in your first year, you might not know Manny the way you know Manny. And then all of a sudden, you know Manny, and now Manny knows you, and you're going to go ahead and get your homemade meal that you like. So what does that mean? That second year is big. That second year is comfort. That second year is routine. But just as John Harbaugh would always tell his guys, it's good that you made it to this point. End of the year, bam, whatever, however far they went. But the version of you now can't be the same coming into training camp. you got to be a better version of yourself heading into training camp, heading yeah. into the season, yeah, or you're yeah. going to be replaced. Right. And so I think the comfort psychologically uh, can be an advantage because you now, there is no unknown. There is no rookie wall. There is no, oh, we're playing still. Now it's like, oh, yeah, my body's used to it. Oh, yeah, I remember that play. I remember this game. I remember that situation. Oh, we played against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, we traveled to Cincinnati. Oh, we went on a West Coast trip, and now we're back, and I know how to take care of my body. Um, those are things that, you know, matter when you're a second-year player. That first to second year is your greatest jump in the NFL. And I think that's something that, uh, yeah, you you will see is an advantage for, for the Ravens ball club, all those second-year players. Yeah, and do they have a lot of them? Yes, they do. They had a bevy of draft picks last year, obviously two first-rounders with the trade of Marquise Brown to Arizona. And those two guys, I'm super excited for 
what I think will be big growth years for them. Let's start with Kyle Hamilton first, their, their first pick in that draft. Someone who he played all over the field. I mean, played in the slot in the big nickel role, played safety as well, all over the field for them. But with Chuck Clark gone, it now becomes more of, I think, a traditional safety role. Now, not that he's only going to play there and nowhere else. The uniqueness and the versatility he has is majorly important for him. But where do you think Hamilton slots in on this Ravens defense and how important is he to their success this year? I think the way he started and the resiliency to the way he finished tells me everything I need to know about going into this year. He is, I believe, to make this bold statement, he is on his way to be an all-pro. Wow. Wow. I didn't say pro bowler because, you know, that's a popularity contest. I'm talking all-pro. I think Mike McDonald's defense, it sets up perfectly for him. I think the way they utilize him in the box, I think that there's opportunities for him to make big plays. I think he seizes the opportunities to make big plays. I think the game has slowed down for him to make big plays. And with his just his overall athleticism, I think this is a situation where, you know, ultimately he's going to be in a position where his number is called upon. I think he's going to answer the bell. So when you look at Kyle Hamilton, it's a first rounder trending towards being an all pro type of a talented uh, player. Yeah, and I remember the discourse about him, Q, during the preseason and during training camp when he got he got like burned on those air, you know, one on ones a couple yeah. times, and in the pre, and I'm just like, we're re- we're judging a guy based off of a one on one. Well, right. I think it was this it was the stadium practice. Correct. And he got he, beat by the one guy that didn't even make the team. Right, and everyone was like, "Oh, well, there's that forty speed coming back to bite him," and I'm like. For all the, the you call it the underwear Olympics cue. I feel like we, we've talked about the drills, but they sometimes get so overblown with the 40 yeah. speed, especially where you know straight line speed is different than pure game speed and how a player can play in with, within that. And there were multiple plays last year, cue where Kyle Hamilton, who cares about the 40 time, he's blazing in, he's rocketing in to make a stop in the run game or, or blitz the quarterback. So he's someone who, who's going to be so good for them, but also another one with Tyler Linderbaum, the Ravens have been cycling through centers for a while, really ever since Matt Burke retired. Obviously, you know, you can go back to Jason Brown and some of those other guys early, early, but then, you know, it was the guys like the Jeremy Zutas and the, the Ryan Jensen's and you have Matt Skura and, and obviously Bradley Bozeman in there as well. And you, you know, Gino Gratkowski, if you want to name that made people forget, but Linderbaum came in, there was concerns about the size I don't dock people for size as much as other people do, but he came in and just played an all around year. He's somebody who, if you, if you, if you, in your answer, if you say he's going to be an all pro or he's on his way to it, I'm not shocked. He had that good of a year last year. And I think with the constant new and offensive line, four or five starters returning, that's going to only help him, especially with Kevin Zeitler, a steady better next to him. So how excited are you for, for Tyra Linderbaum's year two? Poise, consistency, Domination, uh, football intelligence, um, again, composure and poise are similar, but the composure under pressure and stress, the consistency of doing the routine, 
and then like you look at like a Tampa Bay game um, where it just like, wow, that's Tyler Linderbaum. Um, to me, he made it look so easy last year that yes, this year it's the fruits of his labor going to come into full fruition. Um, you can say what you want about Todd Munkin, but the fact that you're going to have the middle of your offense chilling, meaning you got Linderbaum and you got Lamar, the two L's, L and L, chilling. That is awesome. Like Tyler is touching the ball every single time, and so is Lamar. I like the fact that you got a guy that likes Tyler who is able to do what he needs to do. And, and that's where, again, like you, you can, you can talk about the receivers and defending 53 in the third, you can talk about the running game and, and all the things of JK and uh, Gus bus and, and justice Hill and whomever else they want to, you know, try out with an offensive line and the anchor of the line being steady and solid, let's eat. Hey, now, you, you forgot Mark Andrews touched that ball one time when he took the direct <laughs> snap and <laughs> he it over to Lamar. So, yeah, Linderbaum, Linderbaum does, but Lamar might not. You know, that Greg Roman vault was something else. I'll tell you, <laughs> maybe maybe the Munkin vault's a little different. But I know, Q, well, let's, let's do one more. Let's talk David Ajabo. Now, it's weird because it's technically his second season. He was a part of that draft class last year, but only had one tackle the strip sack on Joe Burrow. This to me essentially is his rookie season because it's, you know, his first full off season of preparation when he's not injured and his first full season on the field. So what are your expectations for him? A second year guy, but technically, you know, going into his first full season. Yeah, no, I, I think again, off season wise, there are things that he didn't know that he got a chance to experience. And the fact that he got a chance to experience game, uh, action in real time and, and it was in a stress high stress situation and he delivered uh, both him and Charlie Kohler um, so you know my affinity for Charlie Kohler but with that said like I just think that um, for David Ajabo like Chuck Smith is going to be his, his saving grace um, why because there are going to be things that you're teaching me that my athleticism and my talent can put into the tool belt and utilize. So I, I expect for him to literally be that breakout player. And as much as everybody is, is talking, oh, well, you know, who do we need to sign and all this? And what you and I talked about in the first segment as far as, you know, do you need to bring in a veteran guy? I just think it's reps. I think it's reps that, you know, is going to be utilized by him uh, and is going to be utilized well. And I think that He's going to be in a great position. I'll be curious. Here's, here's, here's what's going to settle it when they have the joint practices versus the commanders. Watch what watch how he blows it up. And that's where we're going to be like, yep, David Ajabo is ready for the season. Yeah, joint practices are huge, especially, you know, it's essentially a taste of game action without it being game action because you're so tired of going up against your own guys for, you know, all those weeks. You get a, a fresh reset 
for players like that. So I'm excited for David Ajabo, and he's somebody that look he's gonna get he's gonna get plenty of snaps this year if they don't sign anybody else. He's essentially the number two, or depending on where you view Ty Spouser. I know it's different for everybody, but essentially number two, number three guy. They hope he can produce as a number two option, and they hope Adafi Owe can produce as the number one. But coming up in the final part of the show, they're gonna produce now Mike McDonald defense. We'll talk about expectations for Mike McDonald in his year two coming up next here on Locked On Ravens. We're back, rounding out Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker still here with Kadri Ismail. And Q, you know, we talked about second-year players, but a second-year coach now, at least second-year defensive coordinator, is Mike McDonald. Now, you mentioned it, it with Kyle Hamilton, kind of how he started to how he finished. It was the same thing a little bit with Mike McDonald. I think started off just trying to deal out the NFL game from a defensive coordinator standpoint. The Dolphins game was one that, you know, Lamar had an MVP performance. The defense in the fourth quarter did not. But they ended up bouncing back in, you know, the New England game to an extent. Devontae Parker averaged like 35 yards a catch in that game somehow. But over the course of the rest of the year, Q, I thought Mike McDonald settled in. I thought his defense played a lot more aggressive. They get Roquan Smith in the fold. Now, how do you expect this year to go from McDonald with that year of experience under his belt as a coach? The poise that you want from your coordinator is the work that you've seen him do in the off season with schemes. Every good uh, personnel guy, when they're scouting a team, like they don't look at necessarily the scheme, the, the coordinator is who they, that they have a book on the coordinator. Here's what he likes. Here's what he's called. Here's the situation that he was in. Now, self-scouting puts you in the position where now you're looking at the different downs and distances. What was your call? What was your thinking on that? What could I have done better? You know, what did I tip? What did I uh, do that, that put my team in a bad situation? And then now it becomes, okay, I've learned I think now I can overcome those things and be more mindful of my teaching progress uh, to the players. Uh, my install is going to be more succinct. My ability to uh, help players just be a lot more um, attuned to what they need to do. I think that's something uh, that we're going to see from Mike McDonald. Yeah, and I think – for McDonald, you know, there was always the comparison about, oh, well, how is his defense going to be different than Don Martindale's defense? And obviously we know Don Martindale is someone who lives by the blitz and dies by the blitz. But that doesn't mean Mike McDonald wasn't aggressive last year. He played an aggressive style of defense. It was just in a different way than, you know, Don Martindale did it over his time with the Ravens. But I mentioned the veterans queue. The Ravens have lost Clayus Campbell. They've lost Chuck Clark. Do you think that'll have any impact on maybe how McDonald calls a defense? They still have veterans, so I'm not saying they don't. You know, obviously, Roquan Smith, his first full year with the Ravens, Marlon Humphrey as well, Marcus Williams, his second year with the Ravens, so technically a second-year guy for Baltimore. But do you feel like with the younger defense, he might look to call things differently, or do you think he's going to stay aggressive and stay with what he's been doing? Bruh, again, the book says aggressiveness. He's going to color it up a little bit different. And, yeah, he'll probably, you know, move guys in, in different positions. But, nah, <laughs> he's going to be just fine when it comes to uh, not that Calais is going to be missed. He will. But 
the X factor of the high tie raising all ships guy, like Roquan is that dude. And when you look at Patrick Queen and his man, I, I gotta be ready. I gotta be on point. Patrick Queen, that's a dynamic duo. They put people in position and they it's not what I say, it's what I do. Chuck Clark was a what I do, not what I say type of a guy. You still got those same guys there. You know, let let uh, Marlon be the the muse. Let him be the one that, you know, hypes guys up and, you know, talks up everybody and, and, and bring on the vocal leadership. Um, I think, you know, Rock Your Sin, he'll, he'll need to make a couple plays early on, but you'll see him kind of lock in and, and, and have that leadership. I don't, I don't necessarily worry about the whole young guy thing. Um, David Ajabo, he's going to be fine because he got his boy in, in Adafe Owe. Um, I think Tyus Bowser, again, you know, you got to show it. But I think all three of those guys are ready to show it, are ready to put forth the effort that is required um, to, yeah, not worry about other guys that were here last year last year is in the rearview mirror and in their point of view we could talk about it all we want Aha. uh but Devontae freeman is not coming through that door so we're not worrying about it man i hope one day he does as a coach and then i can say officially he walked through that door maybe not as a player but he, you know as assistant or running back coach or something like that but let's have fun with this last question q well won't be fun if it ends up happening but Mike McDonald, I think, established himself as one of the best young coaches in the entire league, offense or defense. If he has another great year, do you think he'll start getting head coaching looks this next offseason? It's possible. Depends on how far the team goes. Uh, but then again, it also depends on where he's at. Like, is he ready? You know, it, the, the, the rumor mill in the league – is incredibly strong, way stronger than you and I can can ever realize when it comes to, you know, well, you know, the the fan base knows this, or uh, the 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 front office, you know, uh, gossip is this this this, like it it's it's all there. Like, so my point is, is that we we will see what the rumor mills say and if his name begins to get floated around. Um, but I think a lot of teams are kind of jockeying for, you know, coordinators on the offensive side of the ball, just because simply, you know, when you look at the bigger scheme, uh, that's where, you know, the, the NFL is trending towards. I'm sure Todd Munkin is like, I'm comfortable with my own skin. I know what I need to do. And I know at the same time from what I need to do is stay uh, an offensive coordinator, not a head coach. You can get enticed when you're a young you know, coach and get challenged to be like, oh, maybe this is for me. Who knows? Possibly Mike McDonald. But uh, as of now, he could have a great year and I could easily see him still being a Raven. And, and it's it's what it is.
Yeah, and I know th- there were coaches for a while. I mean, I remember Don Martindale was getting head coaching from the Giants, funny enough, but he got a couple of years of head coaching looks from the Giants, and it, it just never materialized. So sometimes people get hired right away once those head coaches, you know, the head coaching looks start to come. But I think you're right in the fact that across the league nowadays, it is generally more skewed towards the younger offensive minds when it comes to head coaches, just because of the way the league is going. And you want to have that innovation, not the defensive coordinators can't be innovative themselves. We've seen success stories with defensive coordinators throughout the league over the course of many years. But I, I don't know if McDon- like I, my prediction is not that he will leave next year, even if he does get head coaching list. I don't think he will. I think it'd take a couple years. Uh, hopefully I didn't jinx it, but I, I think that at the end of the day, he will stay a Raven and that is the best thing for the Ravens. They made the right hire. I know there were a little, there's a little bit of concern about his inexperience from a NFL play calling perspective, but they now have the young defensive mind in Mike McDonald in the veteran offensive mind in Todd Munkin. Q, I appreciate you hopping on here again. We're we're chugging along, wait, waiting for training camp. We got positional battles we'll talk about soon. And I'm excited to do it. I tell you right now, like our podcasts are going to be epic because we are going to be talking about those position battles. I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be different. F minus is not in the building, so you're not going to get that worn down type of a guy. You'll see a fresh, athletic guy. Uh, I think it'll be really cool to uh, to chop it up when when we have to and when we're going to talk and break down this Ravens ball club. Yeah, and I think with F minus not in the building anymore, you're you're going to be fresh on this podcast a little more without that that weight holding you down on there, and you know the ability hopefully for the Ravens to stay at least healthier than they have been over these past couple of seasons. But Q, I appreciate you for more on Q's. Be sure to follow him over on Twitter at I am Kadri Isma. You can see that in the description below there, and especially on our YouTube graphic. You can follow me over at ChaosStriker34. You can follow this show on Twitter at Locked On Ravens. Subscribe for free, both in video form and audio form. Coming up tomorrow on Locked On Ravens. More Ravens content, of course. So be sure to stay tuned for that, and I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked On Ravens.